We're glad you showed up today and and our attendance at the bridge. I do want to give a moment or two to our missionaries that came in. Uh, Leslie, when she posted a month or so ago that we would be doing the, uh, taking it back to the 90s worship, Aaron got all excited and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm co we're coming in for that. We're going to pick a weekend. And, and they didn't have another service to attend to, and they, they come in today. And I want to give them a moment just to speak to you. Uh, this is the couple that all the BGMC money last year went to and uh, helping them get to, to where they're going. And I just want them to share for just a moment, if they will, and pay attention to them. They're missionaries heading to Japan. So he was our drummer today, too. Well, we didn't know we were going to be up speaking today, so good morning, everyone. Uh, we are very excited to be back. Uh, we've been telling, telling people a couple times over the past days we were coming here saying that you all were the first church besides our home church that invited us out, that has supported us, and you all have been a big supporter, and we just love you all so much. And uh, since we have a time to talk, I guess I will just talk about some prayer needs for Japan that are urgent as of recently. We all know uh, with the coronavirus going around that there's people scared everywhere, but specifically in Japan, um, one thing that they really put their purpose in is their work and their education. And all of that right now is being disrupted and they don't have God to fall back on because the nation of Japan is less than 1% Christian. So we just have this burden right now for Japan to be praying for them to find Jesus to be uh, to fill them up with the hope that they need right now to know that these things that they're putting their trust and their purpose in aren't fulfilling them yeah. and when they get disrupted there is still a God who loves them who gives them a purpose for their life yeah. is there anything you want to add um, I just wanted to say thank you guys for all of your support um, over the last year we've been itinerating and you guys have helped us with your BGMC money. Um, I think last week there was a video that we had shared about how you guys have helped us specifically with BGMC. But uh, we are just so thankful and also just really impressed by the way that your youth and your kids have uh, come alongside of us over the last year. And um, God is doing great things. And we really are believing for healing and for miracles, th even through the coronavirus. Um, in Japan, uh, we know a missionary who's in Tokyo, and somebody from her church has gotten sick with the coronavirus, but they went and prayed for him, and he was miraculously healed. So he doesn't have it anymore. And we're praying that the Japanese people are able to um, experience revival and just to learn about God through this time while everything else is disrupted. So yeah, um, pray for that with us, and thank you guys so much for having us and just letting us join you this weekend. Do you have any other questions or anything you want us to we answer? Don't want to take too much of the time. Yeah. We know you guys have a packed service today. Yeah. We're good. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Love you guys. Our church has been oftentimes uh, we try to do that intentionally to be the first encouragers. Uh, to missionaries as they come on board the Kentucky Assemblies of God when they put a name out and say that there's a new missionary coming uh, and getting ready to itinerate and go towards the field, uh, we try to dive in first. And we've been first uh, to uh, pick up a lot of our missionaries and they come in and we try to invite them here first. And we just uh, 
I know we're a small church compared to other churches out there in the world we're living in, but we want to be a church that does things well, and we want to be first because it's better to be first than last, right? So that's, that's how we operate here, and we, we love our missionaries and are so uh, grateful and proud of them and the work they do to build the kingdom. And there was a missions conference yesterday uh, for the Assemblies of God down in Louisville, and uh, Aaron uh, and uh, Josh were there, and they helped uh, do the some of the uh, programming, different things there as they, all the missionaries were meeting together. And just to hear the sheer numbers uh, that over 90% of the Assemblies of God is outside of the United States of America. And that kind of dumbfounded me when I heard that yesterday. I watched it online live and uh, it's a beautiful thing when we send missionaries to a nation that has less than 1% Christian people in it and we share the gospel through sending missionaries to go there to explain Jesus to them. And it wouldn't happen without your giving and without your prayers and everything that we do as church uh, to join together with others, others. And we're glad to partner with you guys. And uh, our prayers will continue to be with you because we know the plans are uh, in limbo at the moment with everything going on. But it, God's got this. Amen? Amen? Won't you just look at your neighbor and say, God's got this. Amen? Even if the enemy plans it, and even if the enemy initiated it, and even if the enemy wants to throw off the kingdom of God and the church, I do believe that God will turn it around and use what he meant for evil and turn it into good. Amen? So I believe as a church today that we're doing live streaming. We normally don't do that. So anybody that's watching online, we love you. And some of, them, some of the people just told us that they would rather stay home, and that's awesome. And uh, if some people were sick today, uh, had people saying they were sick, and I said, stay home and uh, stay there and watch it online, share it online. So I think the kingdom of God is going to advance today more than it has in history on Facebook Live uh, promotion. So there's more people going to hear the gospel today, not just because of our church, but because of churches nationwide are going online in their platforms, and I think it's a better chance to reach more people that don't come to church. Um, so we're grateful for this opportunity, and we thank God that he gives us wisdom and he gives us faith and it gives us the ability and courage and strength to move forward. We are in a leadership um, series as a church, and uh, this series, uh, I, I plan my sermons throughout uh, November for the following year, so every November, I spend the month of November praying and studying and writing down on a piece of paper the sermon titles and the sermon topics for the next year. So this sermon today was planned back in November of last year, and it's always a uh, crazy to me, but I know and I believe it and I found it to be true because I've done that for several years, that it's amazing to me how many times God will give me topics that align with situations that happen in real time that I had no idea was coming. So uh, it's just beautiful how God can prepare us, amen, and give us purpose and plan our lives for us and go before us. And it says in the word that he goes before us and prepares a way. I believe that God is capable of knowing the end from the beginning. I believe he knew us before he formed the world that we're living on, according to the scripture. And leadership is something that I believe we need as a nation. I believe we need as a church. I believe we need as individuals. And a simple def definition of leadership is it's the art of motivating a group of people to act toward achieving a common goal. So that's what leadership is. It's the ability to get a group of people to act toward achieving a common goal. 
And I believe this series will help all that hear these messages become better leaders. Whether it's leading in your home, on your job, in your community, or leading a Fortune 500 company. On the picture on the screen, I did uh, get this picture and I put the word leader across the one of the mask and I also put the igthus, the fish symbol above it because uh, I want us to look at these messages from the perspective of looking, how can I be a better Christian in my leadership position? Whether it's a secular job or whatever, that we still look that our Christian leadership should uh, tailor our lives and uh, push us towards doing the right thing because Christians shouldn't be doing the wrong thing. And this igthus is a symbol that the early church, the early Christians would take and they would mark to symbolize that they were Christians and let their uh, people that they were coming in contact with know they were a Christian. And this Christian leadership messages that we are looking at, I believe will help us in our walk with Christ. And actually the igthus means Jesus Christ the Son of God is our Savior. So whenever you mark down an igthus or you get that placard to put on the back of your car, it's basically you saying that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is my Savior. And that would never be a bad thing. Because the sooner we accept Him and the sooner we announce that He is our Savior and we uh, call out to others and let them know that we're Christian, that we're saved, that we believe we're blood-bought, that we're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and what he shed on Calvary for our sins, the better off we'll be. Because Jesus said if we are ashamed of him, that he's going to be ashamed of us. But if we're proud of him and declare him, then he's going to declare us before his Father. So these principles, we've looked through the past, this is week three, so we've looked how that Moses and this whole series is based around the life of Moses because I believe if you go through the Bible that he's one of the greatest leaders of all time uh, outside of Jesus and his ministry here on this earth because he was God in flesh. So Jesus trumps everybody. Amen? So Moses, I believe, is one of the patriarchs of the Bible that we can go back to and look for in leadership principles. And uh, the first thing that we talked about in week one was how that he was destined for greatness, that his mother knew that he was a special child and she destined him and raised him and put him in the basket and she sheltered her child. And we encourage you as the church to do that, that to uh, shelter your kids, to don't let them think because you're sheltering them and, and you're holding things back from them that you're actually helping them. And sometimes they don't see it while they're young, but don't let them drive the ship. Take hold of the wheel, parents, and be the adults in the room. Last week we talked about how that Moses lived out his convictions and how that he had uh, God-given convictions that he was born with, that we were born with a conscience, that our conscience is something that God puts internally within all humans and how as a human we should have a conscience. And the word con is with and science is knowledge. So we are born with knowledge. We know right from wrong. And you know kids know that because one of the first Words they learn is what? No. They tell you no. So they know it's right or wrong, but they, whether it's they're going to do it or not, they're going to say no. You tell them to do it, and they say no. It's just the way it is. They're born with that. And in our humanity that we are slanted towards after the fall of Adam and Eve, we're slanted towards enmity with God. 
or carnal, our carnal mind is enmity with God, it says in Romans, and that means hatred towards God. And we are born to say no to God. And I believe the devil wants to equip you to live the rest of your life looking at God and saying no when God explains some things to you. But when God gives us convictions and he gives us this science and this knowledge to know right from wrong and good from evil, that there comes a point in our life where he draws us to himself. And the New Testament says that no one can come to the Father unless the Father draws them. And I also believe in the New Testament it tells us it's not his will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. So God's not going to leave anybody out. He's not going to leave anybody on this planet that he will not draw or he will not call to come back home. He wanted Adam and Eve to make things right. He wants you to make things right. So these convictions that Moses lived out is a, is a crucial part of leadership. And having convictions is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. And you should look and, 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 and to add convictions to your life, to pray that God would convict you of things that you're li living through right now. But this week I want to talk about how that we need to enjoy the menial task. How that we need to enjoy the menial task. And sometimes the menial tasks are ones in leadership that throws us off. As a leader, we maybe take a position at work and we become a foreman or we become a, a, a leader of some sorts in our job or we take a, a manager's position if you're working uh, in, in, in society in, in, in a store or something. Maybe you took an assistant manager job and you're climbing the ranks and getting these leadership positions. Uh, you think that you're going to lead and when you get up there and you get these positions, all of a sudden you see that there's a lot of menial tasks in leadership. And it's discouraging because you think you're going to lead people and you're going to change the world and I'm going to make it all better and everything that everybody else always did wrong. And I was poking holes in all the leaders that I've always had before me and I, I've got all the right answers. And then you get this leadership position and then all of a sudden you, 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 you think I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then whenever you take the leadership position, all of a sudden you get burdened down with menial tasks. Is anybody in leadership in here that can agree with that? You can say amen right now. It's true. So the menial tasks matter. The menial tasks matter. So as I look through Moses' life and when I wrote this down, that how that we need to enjoy this menial task, that sometimes we end up in situations that, that we didn't want to be in. It's, we end up in situations that we didn't think we would uh, actually end up in. So as we look through Moses' life, he was born in this basket. Yes, placed in this basket. He was saved and he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And yes, he had convictions and he ended up with a conviction so much that he used it in the wrong purpose and actually ended up murdering somebody. And as this conviction come upon him, he could have done the right thing and took up for his uh, fellow man. He could have took up for his cousin, per se, but he went a step farther and he killed the Egyptian for doing a wrong thing. And I talked about last week how that we don't need to be bullying bullies. Amen? But you're supposed to stand up for what is right. Moses should have done that. So as this happens and as you go through Exodus chapter 2, you'll see that Moses, when this happens, he goes out the next day. And the next day after he kills this Egyptian and other people say, well, who, do you, who are you that you think you're in charge? And why are you going to be this person that lords over us? Who, who, who give you? The ability to do that. So leadership sometimes 
causes people to inspect our lives and say, who called you? Who said you was the one to lead? And as Pharaoh hears about this, Pharaoh looks down and he hears that Moses has murdered an Egyptian and Pharaoh comes after Moses and he's going to get Moses and he's going to require his life because it's life for life. It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth or whatever in the Old Testament. So uh, Pharaoh's going to do that. He's going to go after Moses and Moses takes off and he takes off into this region of the earth that he hadn't been through before. He, he hadn't went into this zone. He had been born uh, and raised in this palace mentality. He had everything at his fingertips. He could, if, if your mom was the, basically the queen or the princess, I'm sure you could ask for whatever you wanted and you would get it. But Moses ends up out in this wilderness type environment. And as he goes into this region, he goes out towards this region and he thinks probably in his mind, can you imagine when things change or things shift? That all of a sudden we go into this new thing and we get a new job or a new this or a new that. And as we travel into it, we think, man, it's going to be different here. Amen? How many's ever left a job to go to another job thinking it's going to be better when you get over there? Then all of a sudden you get over there and it's everything just like it was from the one you left. And I'll tell you this, most of the time the problem is not that it's the same everywhere else. But whenever you get there, you look around and you find out that you're there. Amen? We're 90% of our own problems. You all ain't amening at all. It's the truth, whether you like it or not. So Moses gets out there in this wilderness, and he's traveling through, and he sees something happen. He sees a well up here, and when he sees this well, he's thinking, man, I'm kind of thirsty. I might head over there and get me some water, and he's going up through here, and it says there these two young ladies are coming, and they're going to gather water out of this well to feed their flock, the water their flock, and as they come and do that, their shepherds come, and the shepherds run off these girls. And it says that Moses goes up, and he takes care of business. It's never wrong to stand up for what is right. So Moses goes up and he tells the shepherds and he shoves them away and he tells the girls, come on up to the plate. Come on up to the well. And he don't just leave them to dig out of the well and pull out of the well their own water to water the flock. He does it for them. It may seem like a menial task to somebody that was born a leader. It may seem like that, I'm, why should I be the one drawing the well, water out of this well for these two peasant girls? So in leadership, sometimes the menial task that we're required to do is one that God calls us to do because it matters that these two girls were being perplexed by these men around their life. And can I tell you today, when you stand up for those individuals, and Moses does it different this time, he don't kill the shepherds. He just tells the shepherds, back on up. These girls deserve to get water for their flock just like you do. And sure, they're girls, and they may seem different in this society, but guess what? With God, everybody's equal. And what if we as a society, and we as a church, and we as a group of people would collaborate and come together to say that we're all equal? Man, you guys are quiet. And the menial task in the middle of that, don't leave them to do the menial things for themselves. Moses could have took care of business, run off the shepherds, and went on his way. But staying there and doing those menial tasks, it set him on a course throughout history. 
that he didn't know that this action was going to matter that much. The next thing you know, the girls go back home, they tell their dad, Jethro, hey, this Egyptian come and he saved us and he helped us water the flock today. Seems like a menial task, doesn't it? Jethro says, well, go get him. Why didn't you invite him to come over? Why didn't you invite him to come home? So they go back and they find Moses and they bring him home. It says that Jethro grew fond of him and actually one of the girls that Moses helped that day would become his wife and would bear his children. And in this environment, his father-in-law owned these animals that were out here on this hillside. And as he owned these animals, he puts Moses in charge of taking care of them. When you're called to lead, and you end up becoming a shepherd, you're going to end up with some dung on you. Can I put it that way? You want me to tell you what leadership smells like? I think you understand. <laughs> Got to get dirty. A great leader will be one that will put their hands to the plow and not require others to do things that they're not willing to do themselves. And in leadership, I can promise you that this, that if you will get to the menial task and continue to do them, even after you gain leadership positions, it's going to matter, and you'll do more. I love John Maxwell. He's one of my favorite leadership gurus, I believe, on the planet and probably one of the greatest ones in history in writing, John Maxwell. He pastored a church out in California, and he, it's just amazing what he's been able to do because God called him to do it. He, he teaches the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. It's probably one of the greatest books outside the Bible, I believe, that, that on leadership and this topic. John Maxwell wrote in a, in a book one time that I was reading, and he said, if you're leading and you take off on this journey and you've got people following you and you take off on this journey and you think you're leading, and he said, if you turn around and look and nobody's there, you wasn't leading, you was just taking a walk. And a lot of leaders run off and leave the people that they're called to lead because they expect everybody else to do the menial task. And they don't get their hands dirty. And I know we're in a season in the world right now that you're supposed to be washing your hands. <laughs> and somebody could go get the jug out there and take it around and give everybody a squirt or two. It'd be awesome. The menial task and how they, how they matter and what they do. So as we see these menial tasks, don't look at them as a penalty or as a burden, but look at them as a blessing. Look at them as a gift from God that I can do these things and I have an opportunity to do these things versus I'm too good to do these things. And I'm sure Moses, as he left this urban area and ended up out in this rural zone of the earth at that time and how he thought things would be different, but here it is the same. 
There was bullies in Egypt. There was bullies at the well. There were classes of society in Egypt. There were classes of society in the mountains. Wherever you go, you're going to be there. And if you know that you're part of the problem in the life that you've been living, and if you truly begin to take ownership and say, I'm willing to make some changes. I'm willing to turn some things around. We'll change the world that we're living in. And if Christians lead, others will follow. And I believe as Christians, we're called to be those leaders. Not domineering, not better than anybody else, but humble servants that Jesus proved us how to do that. And as we share these things about the things that's going on in the world we're living in today, I want you to know it's not beneath anybody in this room to go to the grocery store for somebody that needs help. You can do this. That'll be good as an amen. <laughs> and as I think about this bully situation, it just carries on because a young man took his life in Boyd County after my message last week and it just kind of it, it's a subject that keeps coming and coming and coming and as I thought about that and how that this young man took his life and a, a little young teenager how sad it's got to stop and if Christians want to lead in a topic we need to own this one and say it's our job to stand up and do it in a godly way. And as I say that, I want to know, and I, I just wondered how many bullies we got in the room because I'm sure there's probably a couple here. You get a crowd this big, there's, there's surely somebody in the room that's a bully. Uh, so I, I tried to figure out what kind of bully could I figure out, who, who could I know who's a bully and who's not. So I want to know if there's anybody in the room that went out and bought more than two packs of toilet paper this week. By a raise of hand, who bought more than two packs? Anybody? Come on. Oh, you bunch of... Oh, Greg, Greg's the only brave one in the room. There you go, Greg Hall. And literally, this is a very serious subject, but I, I think there's some toilet paper bullies this week. <laughs> Dolly was telling me a little bit ago before service that Pee Wee went out to buy some toilet paper and seen a fist fight between a man and a woman in a Walmart this week. I'm like, Lord have mercy, come on. And really that's how it happens is because we think we deserve more and they deserve less. I need 10 packs so that they can have none. Can I tell you that selfishness, and we're all selfish. Every person in this room, I can assure you, is selfish. I, you, there's one of me and my father-in-law agrees with me no matter what. We're all selfish in that we try to protect ourselves, but what we need to do in this season and this time is to look out for others. And if the church wants to lead, we have to take advantage of this situation and say, well, I'm willing to give so others can have. And I'm not talking about money because money don't make no difference in this kind of situation. When toilet paper is more valuable to you than your money, it's bad times, amen? 
So who knows what this upcoming week's going to be. They're liable to put out, and everybody wants to eat all the brown beans you can get, and you might not be able to buy those at the store. I don't know what's coming. There's nothing wrong with getting a few extra packs and whatever of toilet paper or brown beans or whatever you want to eat or whatever, but leave some for somebody else. Amen. Somebody, come on. Don't be the problem. Help be the solution. Now, this is menial type stuff. This should be stuff that you shouldn't even have to talk about. Amen? It's sad that a sermon has to turn in to tell you how much toilet paper to buy, but that's the world we're living in. And I want to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. So the, the, the thing that Moses learned and the principle that he learned from these menial tasks was hurting. Everybody say hurting. You know what hurting is, not like hear, herding, but herding. It's the spelling makes the difference. Maybe that's not even a word, I don't know. But the principle of hurting was the important lesson that Moses needed. And God was teaching him because he was going to lead six million people out of slavery into freedom. So as he was leading these sheep or these goats or these animals of his father-in-law, he didn't understand that as I'm leading them, God's going to teach me principles of how to lead a flock. Of how to lead a group of people. That's what leadership is. So as Moses takes this lesson and he learns it and he's diligent about it and he really cares about these animals. His father-in-law uh, had growth during this time and he really led the animals well and he, he took up for them just like he would take up for the girls that was at the well. He took up for these animals just like he took up for his cousin that was being beat by an Egyptian. And when we're hurting people in leadership, I want you to know this, that whenever our president calls for us as a nation for a day of prayer, we should take it to heart. Amen. Amen. And I'm not talking about a bless me indeed, God. I'm talking about bless others, protect others, pray the prayer of faith. I'm talking about helping others. And whenever we begin to do that, it's a day of prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer is not an action where you're down on your knees with your eyes closed. Prayer is a lifestyle that we're living, that we're praying as we're going. The Bible says pray without ceasing. So if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. Amen. God's preparing you through these menial tasks. And sometimes when you're hurting, it don't make sense in the moment. But whenever you get six million people and try to get them going in the same direction, good luck with that, Moses. It's hard for me to lead a church of a hundred in the same direction. Amen? It's hard for some... Dennis, he's a foreman on a job site, a construction job site, and carpenters and stuff. And, and I'm sure it's hard to lead a group of carpenters and tell them what to do and get them to do the same thing every day. So I found this video. It's really awesome. And it kind of explains leadership in a way I think everybody in the room can understand. So how many would like to, a lesson in a two-minute video here of teaching you how to herd? Everybody ready? Pay particular attention. Leslie, will you play that for me? This man right here is my great-grandfather. He's the first cat herder in our family. Herding cats. Don't let anybody tell you it's easy. Anybody can herd cattle. Holding together 10,000 half-wild short hairs. Well, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning. 
right here. And if you look at his face, it's it just ripped to shreds, you know? You see the movies, you hear the stories, it's, I'm living a dream. Not everyone can do what we do. I wouldn't do nothing else. It ain't an easy job, but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them, ain't a feeling like it in the world. EDS, managing right, the complexities Tommy. of e-business. That, that explained leadership. I, I like that video really shows you what it's like. So it's like that for Todd trying to get a county of people to go in the same direction, leadership, right? Does it feel like that, Todd? I'd say that's, that probably depicts it very well. But when we learn the principle of hurting, how that we can achieve a common goal, and we can lead the way God wants us to, there's nothing like it. And God's calling us to lead, and he's asking us to step out of our norms to learn a few lessons. So in that, I know in Romans chapter 13 that it says that we're to obey our governmental leaders. That we're to obey the government. And as our government as a whole has called upon us and even the Assemblies of God, we are a sovereign church and we make our own decision. We don't have to do anything. We have freedom. But there's wisdom comes from above, and our leadership yesterday that the McCoins were with asked that churches close for two weeks. So the next two weeks, we're going to do live broadcasts for everybody, like we're doing today, and be Leslie and myself probably coming here to the church to stream it. And we're going to do what our leaders has asked us to do. And I don't look at this as a setback. I look at it as a setup. Amen? I believe that if the church would truly be the church, and coming and sitting in a seat does not make us a church, making a difference in other people's lives around us is what makes us the church. And I think we're in unprecedented times. And I think it's a setup from God that he, he's going to come through and he's going to show up in a way that maybe we haven't expected before. How many is ready for that? I want to love like never before. I want to give like never before. I want to help like never before. Be an answer, not a problem. I want you to do that. Be an answer, not a problem. And sure, when leadership calls, we more or less look like that video. Because most of us are like cats. Anybody got a cat? We used to have a cat. Our cat ended up gone. I don't know what happened to it. Pretty crazy that I woke up this morning missing me. Meow Meow was our old cat. What an awesome name is that, Meow Meow. <laughs> kind of unique, wasn't it? <laughs> then we got another cat. And called him Oscar the Great, and I don't know what happened to him. Oscar the Great's gone. I was missing him this morning. But I want to ask you this. 
If you know how cats act, don't be like a cat. Anybody got a cat in your house? If you have a cat in your house, you know they feel like they own the house and you don't, correct? That they do whatever they want to do. Let's look at this planet. Let's look at this nation. Let's look at this county. Let's look at these little communities that I don't own it. God does. This is his. And if he asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. Even when it seems meaningless. That's what a menial task is. It looks meaningless. But at the end of the day, if everybody does a little, it changes a lot. If one can put a thousand flight, how many can more than that? Two can put 10,000. That's growth that's exponential that can't be answered. And that's what God is asking us to do, to do a little, all of us. And we need to do that. Somebody go get Gage. Who's in charge of that? Huh? Oh, Leslie's texting. Man, we're in the 21st century. What an awesome church. We're high tech around here, I'll tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot out a snail mail. Yeah. But as we say that, this song that Leslie played, the last song, when I got saved, Back in 1999, this was the song that was kind of the flavor at the moment. And the last song that she played today was the first song that I memorized as a new Christian. And I remember working on a job up here at South Shore at a Mark West plant. And that's when I had went to an altar and got saved and prayed the prayer of faith. And as I did that, I went back out to work the next week. And this song they had sung at church was stuck in my head. Leslie, won't you, you guys as a band come back up and I want, you, I want you to play this song again. And as I was listening to it a moment ago, I thought, how awesome is it that... But I want the mom and the dad and the, and the family members, and I want this song to be Be Gage's song. And I don't want it to be words. That we hear. But I want it to be engrafted in his heart. For the rest of his days. That he'll know I'm forgiven. Because he was forsaken. So if you would, I want I want Gage to come up here and sit with me, buddy. And I want you guys to just, is the words on the screen? We're going to sit right here, buddy. And I want you guys to just sing these words. Whether you can, whether you sound good or not. I don't, don't, don't worry about your neighbor. And if you sound like a cat screeching across a hot tin roof, it's okay. You just go ahead and sing anyhow. Let's sing this song. Let's make it Gage's song. How about that? I've 